Thank you, Robert. Good morning, everybody. So good to see all of you. I'm excited that you're here, and I pray that you've come expectantly, uh, wanting to meet with God in a special way, even beyond what we already have. I love the Revelation song. I think that that's one of the uh, uh, precious new songs that we have written today that just brings honor and glory to God. And uh, it's just beautiful, let alone Cornerstone. That one's great, too. Well, they're all great. Uh, but uh, a wonderful time of worship and, and things like that. Uh, as uh, Robert declared, I'm new on staff, and if you weren't here a month ago, uh, when I did the announcements to, to share with you that I um, had been brought on staff, uh, I want you to know uh, how honored, uh, how humbling it is to be a part of the Rocky Mountain staff. Um, I sensed a number of things in the Lord leading Diane and I here uh, that uh, certain things were true. And one of the things that uh, I was quite sure of was the fact that there is a single-mindedness here, a one-accordness of wanting to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples carrying out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, um, and it's just an honor and a privilege to be a part of that. Um, Steve, I think, was the uh, second guy here who gave me a hug. Donnie was the first one. Uh, you know, go figure. But, uh, uh, and when I put my arm around uh, Steve, and, and I happened to touch his lower back, and I go, is that what I think it is? And he goes, yeah. Uh, so pray for him. He couldn't take that to Uganda with him, and uh, that was out of his comfort zone. But anyways. Um, we started the trek in November, and uh, I flew out here early, and Diane stayed in Erie, Pennsylvania to sell our house. And I came out to start reworking the house that we were moving into. The house had been lived in hard, if you will, and had to have some remodeling done. And my son-in-law and I did that together. We moved out here to be closer to our two youngest daughters. We have been blessed with four children and nine grandchildren. And uh, so as we were coming out, I began the endeavor of looking for a church. And one of the first things that drew me here um, was the fact that God's word is taught so truly, so wonderfully, verse by verse by verse. Uh, I love that. You know, that is what ministers to my soul and uh, that God uses. And I believe that that is also a scriptural way of teaching God's word. And then just the way Eric shares it with grace and truth and with love is just, was just overwhelming. And uh, I had visited approximately uh, eight to ten churches, depending on the Christmas Eve services and things like that, that I went to, to different uh, churches in the area, uh, just praying that the Lord would lead us to the church where we could be revitalized and used. And, uh, and ultimately, I ended up sitting down with Pastor Eric over a cup of coffee upstairs and uh, uh, I went to get one of those styrofoam cups and he said, no, no. And he went around back and he brought me out a mug. And I said, all right, this is a man after my own heart. Uh, 
so that we could have just a good time of, of chatting. And then God brought into my life Pastor Dan, and, um, and we sat out on the veranda uh, one afternoon, and we just talked through being a volunteer here, what it meant, and uh, those different kinds of things. And then God wonderfully used him in my life to uh, help me, you know, join his small group at his house. And uh, then the Lord led me to want to facilitate a small group uh, out there in Falcon as well. And so things began to change, and he uh, got me plugged in with the men's leadership, and I began to teach. And and as uh, God spoke to my heart, I realized I needed to uh, become even more active, and I wanted to sit down with him and Pastor Eric, Dan and Pastor Eric, and just tell them how much the Lord had used them in my life to kind of revitalize and those kinds of things. And uh, I'll never forget the night uh, I was sitting in, I'd gone into the inner sanctum upstairs. Now, I'd never been in there before, I'd never been in Dan's office. I felt like a little boy in front of the principal. Yeah, but there we were. And, and we were chatting and Eric backed in and he had his hands full of children and Amber was ill and couldn't be there, and, and he said, but, uh, so he had to leave and couldn't stay, stay for the meeting, but he declared this, he was so excited that I'd asked for the meeting because he wanted to talk to me about the potential of coming on staff, and Dan and I were both blown away, and it's only by God's grace, and, uh, and I just rejoice in him. But I want you to know that a big part of it is because of who you are as well. Uh, you are a loving church that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was a huge key for Diane and I. And so this morning as we open up the scriptures, I, I want us to get a glimpse, a picture of the kind of church that is God's passion through his grace, he has given us new life in Christ for those of us who have trusted Christ as our personal Savior. And so we have entered into that grace for the first time in our lives. And he wants us to continue in that grace to be this, this vibrant church that reveals his glory. And I believe we find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So please open with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness. I stand here in awe of your grace. your mercy, your long-suffering. Father, as we worship in your presence, as we break open the bread of life, the word that was made flesh, as we are in your presence, Father, I pray that your word would just fall fresh upon our hearts this morning, that it would bring encouragement and strengthen 
Father, that it might be that two-edged sword, if need be, and that would pierce and divide, that would bring about radical change in our hearts and lives for your glory and your glory alone, that you would minister to the hurting, that you would give hope to the hopeless. And Father, only you can do that through the power of your Spirit this morning. So we ask your hand a blessing upon this, these few moments together. For it's in your Son's name, the very name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen. God's grace, God's passion. Uh, we understand God's passion because we see it in the cross. We see it in the wonders of the resurrection. We see all that of his heart's desire for his creation and, and providing salvation for us, providing for us that forgiveness of sin to where we can have this dynamic relationship with him. And as we look at this beautiful little epistle and this uh, this wonderful teaching and this wonderful uh, area where, where Paul was inspired to write to the folks in Thessalonica. I want us to understand one thing, that Paul was used to plant this church. It starts with Paul, Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had been used of God to plant this church. Pastor Eric in Wednesday night has just gone through Acts 16, 17 and following. And it is there when um, Paul is in Philippi. And for all of you who know that story, he gets beaten for sharing the gospel of Christ along with Silas. And uh, they are thrown into the inner dungeon and put in, put in stocks. And uh, rather than weeping over their soreness or rather than being angry and frustrated at God because of where they find them, we see them praising God and singing hymns, which for me is just a radical thought. I can't imagine that. And we see the miracle of God and shaking the doors and setting them free and where he gets to share the gospel of Christ with a man who is about ready to take his own life, the Philippian jailer, as well as all the other prisoners that were there. They had heard the singing and the praising and they didn't run away when the doors were opened. And as Eric shared, uh, who does that? You know, I'm sure that if one of the prisons nearby, if the door shook and the doors open and the earth shook, I mean, I imagine that three quarters of them, if not all of them, would take that moment to try to escape. But they did not because of what they heard. And it is right after that, after he is uh, kind of caused to vanquish from, from Philippi, that he makes this trek and it's a little over 100 miles. Now he, he walks this whole trek, wanting to go to a place to share the gospel anew afresh. Now, a hundred-mile trek on foot in those days had to be challenging enough, let alone with a back that is split open and probably still oozing and weeping from the wounds and everything, and yet he does it because he loves God, as well as those who go along with him. And God brings him to Thessalonica, and he shares the gospel, and a church is birthed. For God's glory. 
Notice what he writes to them. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The wonders of grace and peace. He wants to remind them of what they have in Christ in this new relationship, being reconciled to God. You know, when I trusted Christ as Savior, I was an adult and I was uh, uh, raised in a very dysfunctional home and uh, a non-church going home and uh, um, for a great part, a very angry home. And uh, and I was the youngest of seven. And... uh, and I'll just share this. I was removed from the home at the age of six months and then reintroduced at the age of about five and a half and, uh, and said, nobody else is your parents. These are your parents. And so life turned upside down. And, and, uh, and from that point on, it was inside out and upside down. And now I'm an adult married with children and I get introduced to Christ for the first time and I am amazed that there is a God let alone a God that would love me enough to want to have a relationship with me to be reconciled (laughs) I understood that I was an enemy of his in a sense if he was real I am sure that I was an enemy and yet in the midst of that I also thought that God, if there is a God, he has to have these weights and measures. You know, after all, I hadn't killed anybody yet. And so there had to be a way that he would have to accept me for who I am rather than understanding that his standard is his standard and all sin is sin and it is only through the sacrifice of Christ. Life radically changed. And yet... That peace, and and you know this as well today, it's hard to maintain that peace. We have it positionally in Christ, but the peace, life itself around us, sometimes life stinks, doesn't it? You go to the doctor and you hear you have cancer. What's that about? Or if you're a woman and you have a miscarriage. Yeah, it hurts a close loved one at a very young age dies gets killed in an accident life is turned upside down your heart is in turmoil my heart would be my wife has often declared that our 13th year of marriage was the most challenging and the most difficult and it was for a number of reasons first she had five people in her family uh, pass away and one of them was her dad at the age of 56 She had a husband who was not walking with God and was not there to be a support to her in any way spiritually in the midst of that. And then on top of that, she had a physical illness that had her bedridden for about six months and our fourth child had just been born and I had no clue how to be husband, home taker, and child rearer. I had no clue because I hadn't given my life to Christ to where I could love her God's way, that I could be the husband God's way, the way God intended, or be a dad. But God wants you and I to have this peace in the midst of the turmoil of life. And God had to literally break me of my arrogance and frustration 
to get to that point. Uh, as I declared in the earlier service, I believe I lost over eight years of being able to serve God in the midst of that, and I don't want anybody to lose that much time and what they can have for God's glory, to be a part of God's plan, to be a part of God's vibrant church. And he wants them to have this peace that really passes all understanding. We want to enter into that, to have a restful mind. As, as W.H. Griffith Thomas would share in his sermon, The Power of Peace, uh, based on 2 Thessalonians 3.16, he would want us to have a quiet conscience. You know, I, I struggled with worthiness still, that how could I be worthy of salvation or to serve God because I had done X, Y, and Z out here or was still prone to do A or B over here. I understood God's forgiveness, but I really struggled with, with worthiness. And I want you to understand, you and I will never be worthy to be a servant of God. It is only his grand design and the work of his, his word in the wonders of transformation, the work of his Holy Spirit through us, as we will see here. Grace and peace. Don't leave here today frustrated. Don't leave here today angry at God. Don't leave here today still bound in your sin. Don't leave here today still in guilt and shame because of yesterday. Walk in the victory that is yours and mine in Christ Jesus. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as this church did wondrously and gloriously because they took this grace and peace and, and Paul points out it is grace and practice. Look at verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you making mention of you in our prayers. Paul loved to pray. He loved to pray for churches. He loved to be able to lift them up before God wanting God to honor, uh, to bring uh, glory and honor to himself through them. He wanted to bless them. Rocky Mountain Calvary, I want you to understand God wants to bless you today. He wants to use you today. He wants people to give thanks that you are his children in a dark world. He wants to magnify himself. And I believe he is. And yet I believe that he could do it more vibrantly, more brightly, we could shine and radiate even brighter as the light of Christ in this culture where we find ourselves here in Colorado Springs, bringing glory to a holy God, passionately, wonderfully, as we walk with him. Notice how it continues on, verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope, and our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Look at that first aspect. He remembers without ceasing their work of faith. Now think about that for a second. These are deeds that are sponsored or brought about, produced because you have faith in Christ. You and I are meant to and are called to have a growing faith, a deeper trust in who he is, and that is to produce in us 
works. Works that draw people to him. We do them because he is our God and because our faith in him, our trust is growing. Robert just mentioned Project Nehemiah. You know, and it is a great opportunity for us to enter in and start building a relationship with our community. And it is a deed. We're going to go and do something for them if they will allow us. Even if it's just to throw away an old uh, refrigerator or something. I'm not looking forward to carrying a refrigerator. But, you know, doing something for them. Pulling weeds out of their garden just praying for them if they're having a horrible day or a horrible season of life. Chance shared how last year he had an opportunity to come alongside of somebody who was distraught, a very uh, popular person in our day, and I won't mention his name, but had a chance just to pray with him because his wife had died recently and he had just given up hope. That's what it's all about. It is those kinds of things that he was seeing at the church. And you and I have opportunities to do the same thing. It's a labor of love. That is arduous work. That is toil. That is sweat. That is, that is produced by our love for God. Loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is not sitting back and saying, oh yeah, I love God. It is something that is seen in our life. It becomes evident, and that's what he is sharing there. Those are the things that drew Diane and I here as we looked for a church that really was built upon the truth of God's word, the cornerstone of Christ alone, the reality of who he is and what he means for us to do as we walk with him. That's why I love Hebrews 10, verses 23 and 24. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. If you're here today and you know you are in Christ, you are his child, give out a shout. Amen. Know, therefore, that you and I are called to do these works of faith, this labor of love, because we have this endurance of hope or this patience of hope. Endurance that that is inspired by the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Wanting his word to really flow through us to where the wonders of our salvation is so radical that we can do nothing else but walk with him. Wanting to bring glory and honor to him. Wanting his life to be pictured in our lives. Literally living a life of a Christian. A genuine Christ follower. To where it's seen and it's evident. And it's real. Turn back in your Bibles just a few pages to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is a vibrant passage of Scripture. 
And if you look at verse 7, he says, To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he explains that. And so you and I in our relationship with Christ, God's grace has been poured out as we enter into this relationship called salvation. And then with that, he gifts us through his spirit. And he has given us this wonderful measure of grace that you and I are called to walk in. Notice what he says in verses 11 and following. And he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come together in the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. That is why Rocky Mountain Calvary offers so many opportunities for you and I to get connected whether it's small groups that meet in homes or whether it's the school of discipleship that Dan, you know, the Lord has brought Dan to present here. And some of you folks need to be involved in that, get plugged into that. Whether it's the fall studies that are going to start in September. And this year the men are going to have four choices versus just the two. And the ladies are going to be studying Gideon and the life of Christ. And, and you, ha you have so many opportunities to come and connect with other men and other women. To be able to walk through the difficulties of life together. To be able to have that victory. That's the instruction so that we become knit together, that we become this harmonious body of believers that are of one accord that magnifies all that Christ is in us. Diane and I see that here, and yet we know that, that there are some that struggle in their faith, some that probably are in the process of trusting Christ as Savior, and so that the church can grow strength-wise and blossom for His glory even more. I know that's Eric's heart. I know that's Robert's heart. Dan's, Bob's, Kent's, Josh's, Greg's, Andrew's. Yeah, and I just have a privilege to hang on to the coattails and be a part of it. You have a chance to get plugged in that's what he wanted for the folks of Ephesus notice how it continues on there looking at verse 13 till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ why that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and in the cunning craftiness and the deceitful uh, plotting but speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth in the body and the edifying of itself in love. I'm convinced that we are a strong body, but I'm convinced that just like a puzzle, when you put it together, there's about six missing pieces, and it's only a hundred-piece puzzle, you get frustrated. Well, your child does, especially if it's their puzzle. Where are the missing pieces? And I believe that that's still the body of Christ here, and you are there. You just haven't been plugged into the right place in growth, giving yourself over to what God would want you to do. 
And I want us to know as we go back to 1 Thessalonians that this church got that. That's why they had this work of faith. That's why they had this labor of love. That's why they had this patience of hope. That's why Paul could say in verse 4, knowing, beloved brethren, your election of God, knowing that you are saved, knowing that your salvation is real, it is genuine, it is tangible, it is visible, it is not abstract, it it is something that is very effectual for God's glory. And it's because they allow the power of God, the Spirit of God, to work in their lives. Look at verses 5 and 6. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. I love the fact And I I think it's just a radical thought that God would want to take this wretched man and first save his soul and, and give him eternity in his presence and love, but would then take this guy and fill him with his spirit. Now think about that. Isn't that radical thinking? If you're here today and you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And that's why it's so important for us not to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Because as Zechariah described, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord, that anything gets accomplished for his glory. And so being in the center of God's will, allowing him to pour out his grace and love in our lives, Wanting to walk in the power of his spirit is so key. Up here, we have this little box. (laughs) And uh, uh, the the instructions have been very clear. Don't walk outside the box. Now, uh, I was invited here to uh, do a memorial service. And uh, Cecile gave me that instruction. Do not walk outside the box. And... I thought it was because of the mic here. And so I just talked to one of the workers back there at the sound booth and I talked him into giving me a lapel mic or a, uh, this mic probably. And uh, so I went outside the box and began talking to the family. And afterwards, Cecile said, don't walk outside the box. And when I was given this opportunity, I went to Uh, Stuart, he's one of the guys on the cameras, and he says, don't walk outside the box. Chris says, no, don't walk outside my box. Why? It's because where the light is. That's for the filming. You know, and, and I said, I don't like being confined to a box. I like to step outside the box. God in his infinite wisdom said there is a place of power for each and every one of us. 
there is a place where our lives become most effective in his hands. And that is right in the center of his will. Right in the center of his word. Allowing him to radically transform us to where our life does not any longer be about me, but always about him. I am so thankful that God began to turn my life upside down to where I could love my wife biblically, to where I could raise my children in a godly home, to where I could be put in a position to where he would give me beyond my imagination such joyous things such as this teaching weekend. When I trusted Christ as Savior, I thought, no way. God can't do that. And you know what I'm doing? I'm telling God, the creator of the universe, that he can't. And I want us to know he desires to and he wants to and he wants to in your life so that we become these vibrant examples just like the church in Thessalonica. Notice how it ends. Verse 7 goes on, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Acacia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entering we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You know what I believe the difference between the church in Ephesus, which lost its first love, if you look at Revelation chapter 3, versus the church in Thessalonica, was this fact. The church in Thessalonica was filled with people who recognized their new identity in Christ. John chapter 1, verse 12 declares this, for as many as believed to them, he gave the power to become what? Sons of God. I needed to understand that I was his son, that I was adopted in his family. I want you to know that's radical thinking. That's crazy. And then when you think about what Peter declares, that you and I become heirs, joint heirs with Christ, as well as the book of Hebrews, the reality of that. Now, how crazy is that, that I would, as a wretched man that I am, have any right to anything that was being given to Christ, but yet through the righteousness of Christ, that is my new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anybody be in Christ, they become a new what? Creation. Ah, 
I'm not any longer bound by that old man. The old man is dead according to the teaching that is found in the book of Romans. I am a new creation in Christ. How radical is that? And this new creation is meant to fit together within the body of Christ for his glory so it is that it is completely powered by who he is with him being the head. And then to think I can be partaker of the divine nature filled with his spirit. Where's your identity today? Where is it? Is it in Christ? Have you recognized that your sin separates you from a holy God and he wants to save your wretched soul like he did mine? All it takes is a step of faith, for by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. Just trust him today. Don't leave here today to walk into a Christless eternity. Are you here today and life stinks? Every, every possible burden has happened from death to illness to sickness to surgeries to I want you to know the God of peace wants you to walk in peace he is there with you in the midst of it where God says yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'm with you and he wants to carry you through those times are you still battling a, a sin? I want you to know he can give you the victory. Complete victory. It might take some time. It might take commitment. It will take learning how to pray, learning how to allow his word to fall flat, fresh on your heart and mind to grow you in his grace. But he yearns to do that. Maybe you're just tired. You've been serving God a long time. I praise the Lord for you serving. I want you to know he can revitalize you. He can re-strengthen you. And he can continue to use you for his glory and his glory alone. And he desires to do that. We'll have our prayer teams by the side here. And if you want to recommit your life to Christ or start that wonderful journey in Christ through the wonders of salvation, come and pray with them. Don't leave here without making a conscious decision that you want to be a part of the body of Christ that earnestly is doing a work of faith, a labor of love, and has this enduring, wonderful hope in Christ, no matter what the world says. Let's stand and pray together.